welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! And I will read here from the beginning of Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah and the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, towards the middle end of that book, the first seven verses. So follow along as I read from Isaiah. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give you Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. And bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, and everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eric, why don't you come on up as I give a prayer that God would illumine these scriptures to us even now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us here this morning. And this is not a sermon segment that we've been planning for weeks and months, uh, but we trust that your Holy Spirit is here with us and sufficient for this conversation. We pray that it would bear fruit in the lives of those listening. Thank you, Father, that even as our world and seasons continue to change, that your word does not. It is true. It is eternal. And so we cling to what you've revealed to us, and we look to the ongoing work of the risen Christ in the world through the Holy Spirit now. Father, thank you again that you give grace and mercy. This has been a crazy year, but you've been among us. Continue to do so, we ask and pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, hey, man. Hey. Here we are. A few days before uh, 2020 ends. It's been a crazy year. And uh, I think we continue to pivot the year of the pivot, as we've been uh, joking about here on staff um, yeah. for 10 months plus now. Yep. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to, uh, to dialogue with you a little bit and, and just try to debrief 2020. I know for, for all of you uh, watching uh, here, we're in the last few days of 2020, and it's a good time as we're on Christmas holiday, uh, to do some reflecting. And so we want to do that a little bit here this morning. So Jim's going to do that. I'm going to serve as, as the moderator here of, of said dialogue. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to chat. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we dive right in? All right. Thanks, Joe. I am Troy Buck. It's great <laughs> to have you with us here this morning. And yeah, so I've been wondering uh, how uh, this year has been going. And so a question for me now for a couple thoughts, too, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth from here. How has 2020 been? Uh, what have the challenges been? So I have 
told a few people, I've mentioned to Eric before in home meeting and other places, uh, there's a group of researchers called the Barna Group, and for a long time now they've been researching a lot of different dynamics of the church in the U.S., including pastors, and the Barna Group says that as they've been tracking with pastors for a long time in large sample sizes, pastoral discouragement is at an all-time high. Something like 70% of pastors are discouraged right now, and they say that they're not sure if they'll make it a year from this point. Mm. I think we've got this, but at least for me, Eric, I can feel, I can feel the pull. It, it's been a discouraging year, and the nature of church work is something that neither Eric nor I have prepared for in seminary. We've joked many times that in our seminary and theological education, there was no playbook or chapter in any book for what to do during pandemic, and so it's been hard. The nature of church work has changed over this past year. We feel a lot of pressure, and as we've said multiple times, each of us during the service already, there have been a lot of pivots trying to figure out how to do things new when there's just muscle groups that we have never used before and say, okay, we're going to have to learn this, we're going to have to learn this. It's been, it's been ongoing. But then the flip side, at least for me, Eric, is that as we're feeling all of this pressure and having to do all of this work and new things, it at least for me, maybe for you, I've probably worked harder in 2020 than any year previously, put in, put in more hours and have felt the stress. But the, the concomitant of that is it feels like nothing's happening. And granted, and we'll get to this in a minute as well, there's a ton that's happening in our church that we're thankful for. But in terms of the same old feedback loops that I've been used to as a pastor for 10, 15, 20 years now, uh, including people in the sanctuary, which there are not right now, all of this work, but then if a pin drops on the internet, does anybody hear you scream sort of thing? <laughs> is, is, is any of this making a difference? Is any of, are any people watching? So it, it's, been a, it's been a strange time uh, for sure. Yeah, no, it has been challenging. I, I've, I've joked similarly, like sitting in my home office doing a lot of Zoom meetings where uh, right behind me, my bookshelves are right behind me uh, when I'm doing these Zoom meetings. And I've often joked with people on those, like, yeah, none of these books you know, right behind me, have any chapters about like a global pandemic. Like none of them say anything about Zoom home meetings or small groups. None of them say anything about live streaming. Um, and so it has been a year where we've had to learn a lot. And, and for sure during that, venturing out into new areas, doing things we've never done before, there's definitely been moments of discouragement where you're not sure how many people are in small groups, how many people are engaging online, how many people are still connected to our church, have people migrated or moved on and, and, and without having some of that data along with other things, just there's been hard things in people's lives, you know, a uh, season where people have lost jobs, a uh, season where relationships and, and people that are, that are parents, I'm a parent with a young child at home, and it's, it's been a stressful season and a difficult season for a lot of people. So also managing those pastoral care issues, there's been, there can be discouragement there too. So it has been, it's been a hard year, been a tough year for sure. What, what would you say, Jim, uh, what would be some idols maybe that have surfaced for you in 2020, during these last 10 months, uh, since we were first introduced to, uh, to COVID-19. Yeah, I've learned that I'm awesomer even than I thought in every possible, I, I'm the Mary Poppins of pastors, practically perfect in every way. No, that's not true at all. And if there were some idols that I was able to like functionally work with, like if you're a functional addict, for example, that phrase is used when you have this addiction that's only semi-crippling, but you can get by with it. I think 2020 has made all of these crutches, these functional mm -hmm. addictions, these idols that we're able to manage pretty unmanageable. And so for me, the idols that have come to the fore have included control and power and fun. 
idols, something that I give myself over to that doesn't give back to me, that doesn't cause my flourishing, but it takes from me. When we worship the one true God in Jesus, that's a relationship where we're, we're worshiping and being filled and freed and not worshiping as by an idol where we're being taken from. Control. I'm a control freak. Hopefully I'm not alone in this, but once again, on the internet, nobody can hear you scream, so I'm used to seeing nodding faces of people saying, yes, I, I have control problems too. Apparently nobody does because I'm not seeing anybody in the room. But I struggle with control, and the control factors that have been stressors for me at a time like this, uh, I don't know how long this is going to last. I think I joked a couple sermons ago that right when pandemic started, we closed down public worship in mid-March, and pastors were wondering, hey, are we going to be able to regather by Easter? Right, and I said right, at the time, right. well, the good news is we got Easter right. We just got the year wrong. So we've been planning continually for different liturgical seasons in the church, different missional initiatives that were saying, we don't know if we're going to reopen or not. Probably will be open by this point, but it still just doesn't happen. And so we have no idea. There's light at the end of tunnel with vaccine, but for me, who is prided myself on being able to keep situations under control. All of that is up in the air right now. And like Eric, you mentioned also, as we have less feedback points with people at church, that's been hard for me as a pastor. The, the analogy that I've used before in a couple situations has been the NFL season. So you know, football, big deal. Eagles, bad team. The point being here is that sports reporters have said that they're used to being in locker rooms before and after games. And when you're in the locker room after a game, there are the official interviews from the podium, but then there's also you're, you're roaming around the locker room, and maybe you get something off the record from a disgruntled player. Maybe somebody over here is really talking up a rookie in a way that he's not comfortable projecting out yet. So you get all of these sources, both named and unnamed, and you leave the stadium having a full view of what the team is. That's what church felt like in retrospect. But now when we're in pandemic, it's like, I hope we still have people. And yes, we do. And we're even growing in some ways right now, which is really exciting. But for a control person who's used to those feedback loops, it's been really destabilizing to me. And then power. Uh, I've prided myself too much on being somebody that can compel certain outcomes. If I just work hard enough, if I think hard enough, things are going to be okay enough. Uh, simply not the case right now. I don't have as much power as I thought I did, which ultimately is healthy, but then on a daily basis is pretty deeply challenging to me. And then also power, even as it relates to myself. I'm an Enneagram 3, so for any of the rest of you that are Enneagram 3s, number one, you're awesome. Number two, you're deeply flawed and broken in some unique ways, and I grieve for you. So Enneagram 3s, we often focus too much on the outside world, over-functioning there, and ignore ourselves I felt that for myself for sure, and bad habits have crept in at different points, and I have understood and felt and experienced that I have less power than I think that I do even to control my own heart, my own life, and my own actions. Finally, fun. I have an idol of fun. Eric likes to have fun. I like to have fun. We all have to like fun, but when Jim doesn't have fun, he gets grumpy. Apparently, that has come out more and more in 2020, where I've had less fun and deep flip side of that is that 2020 in so many different ways has been a year of sustained grieving. Uh, grieving in ways that I haven't experienced before, grieving in ways that it's just the same, day after day, week after week, a groundhog day feeling of grieving, but then there's another layer in which nothing is happening. It feels like we're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, 
Uh, but then there's a lot of normal fun things that in the course of the year that I'm able to look back at the end of other calendar years and say, oh, it's fun that we got to do this again, got to do this again. I understand that I'm not the only one in this boat, but there were a lot less of those things that I was able to say, oh, that was really fun this year because there has been less of it. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, I see, I, I see your control and I push in my perfectionism here. So the first <laughs> you make a great team. The, la the last Sunday before Advent started, I preached. Uh, it was the 22nd of uh, November. I preached on perfection and how community helps break down our perfectionism. But but yeah, I think for sure, like for me as well, like one of the idols that I don't think has been. And I think you're saying the same thing, Jim, that these are idols that have not been caused by this pandemic mm -hmm. or by quarantining or social distancing, but they're idols that in a unique way have been like exposed to us. Right. Um, and I think for me too, like, like one of those idols and, and I love the data poor analogy and the locker room analogy. And we've talked about that quite a bit over the course of this year. I think for me in a similar way, there were certain data points, like how many people are in groups, how many people are serving, how many people are attending children's ministry? How many people are in the sanctuary? You know, how much money do we have? How much money are people giving right now? All these metrics. And one of the idols for me that, again, was not caused but was exposed by this pandemic is the idol of tying my identity and my success as a pastor to all the metrics going up and to the right all the time. And when they don't, I feel that. I can take it personally and, um, and feel like a failure. And I think with this season where we've been data poor, a lot of those metrics that I would hang my hat on, I haven't had. Right. And so I've had to look towards other things uh, in, in order to find my identity, which is good because mm -hmm. my identity shouldn't be in those metrics anyway. So I, I, totally, I totally feel you on that, Jim, for sure. Um, a few weeks ago, you preached on the seven deadly sins and community yeah. uh, right before Advent started. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what are some, some of those seven deadlies that maybe have cropped up in your life this year? Yeah, let's talk about those. One, one real brief thing about data points. I had an experience a couple months ago when there was a family that moved close to us from Manhattan. They were getting out of the city and said, hey, you know, let's move to Collingswood. We could still work in New York. Some it didn't help our insecurity about being the sixth borough or anything. <laughs> but, uh, but there it was. And the guy we were hanging out in their backyard, socially distanced, the, the, the husband and father said, so where is your church? And for all of my years of ministry, <laughs> there's an easy answer for me to say, well, our church is at 43rd in Baltimore. Our church is at 32nd and Avery. Or now our church is at, what is this cross? Street. Fern and Haddon Ave. Fern and Haddon Avenue. <laughs> I'm here a lot. Uh, where's your church? I don't know. It's everywhere and nowhere. And yes, at the same time, uh, seven deadly sins have been cropping up. Those things, those categories, traditional in the church around the world, pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. It's been interesting for me a couple times over the past couple of months reflecting on how the seven deadly sins have been growing like weeds in my own life and heart. And ones that have grabbed my attention recently have been two, envy and gluttony. So envy at multiple different levels. I don't think anybody was going to say before this that social media makes people always happy all the time. Sure. But, but there do seem to be people out there, right, that are just like crushing the pandemic life. And it's like, wow, what planet is that? That looks so much fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck at home. Uh, even though there's been a lot of blessings at home as well. So, so envying people that have more, more, more freedom, uh, you know, relatives who have been able to, to do a lot of traveling, especially early on in pandemic, 
uh, when people that had the means to like go to all these places, it's like, well, I'm I'm here. I I don't want to don't want to leave the ship during pandemic. And so envy has definitely been an issue that has been more front and center in my life. And I think at different points, Eric and I both struggle with, with church envy. Like, hey, sure. there, look at this 20,000-person church that's doing all of these awesome things immediately <laughs> in, in, in pandemic. And then here I am trying to figure out how to preach into a camera when this other like lead guy or lead pastor over here is just awesome in all of these skills that I'm having to learn on, on the fly. And so that, like that John Cheever short story, Christmas is a sad time. You know, pandemic is a sad time uniquely for us as I struggle with, 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 with envy as it relates to, to church situations. There are lies woven into all of those things for sure. And then also gluttony. I think this has been an easier time to let oneself go in whatever ways it's easy to let oneself go. So a lot less structure to our days in a lot of ways. And yeah, there are unhealthy habits that all of us can engage in more if there were less structures in place. What do you know? 2020 has been a year when there have been less structures in place. So it's been all too easy for me to say, well, I don't usually take a drink on X night, but not doing anything else, I might as well. And like, why stop at one? And why stop here? And then eating, just hey, nothing fun is happening. Why don't I just crush these Doritos? And so on the surface, gluttony can seem as a less pernicious of the seven deadly sins as some of those others. But at different points of pandemic for me, I have felt some pretty uncontrollable momentum towards gluttony that could have been damaging to myself, to my family, and those around me. So the struggle has been real as it relates to the seven deadlies. Yeah, I've definitely envied some of those larger churches that have an IT director. (laughs) As, You've been uh, doing great, buddy. As I've been uh, spending days at the building trying to learn how to live stream on the fly. Um, so I, I feel you on that. But hey, man, how, you read this passage, uh, Isaiah 43. Why don't you talk about that a little bit more? How has God challenged you and helped you in some of these areas that you've just been mentioning? Yeah, so this is still this is an impromptu sermon, but it's still a sermon. So I'll give three Ps I have experienced nice. during pandemic. God's power, God's presence in God's preservation. And the reason that I pulled Eric Isaiah 43 for this morning is we see echoes of these things in this passage. It wasn't something I was planning, but this was my daily Bible reading for today in the ESV Literary Study Guide annual plan. And it's like, wow, uh, I got up this morning thinking, I'm going to need a Bible passage for the sermon time. God, would you meet me? And then it just kind of came up in, in the reading. It's been a good reminder to me to remember that even though I have an idol of power, that God, on the other hand, is the source of all power and might. So the beginning of this passage from Isaiah says, But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, there's power there. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. That takes power. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt, God controls the fates of nations, as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. So repeatedly, I've been reminded, both by what I'm experiencing in the world as God is at work, and then through the scriptures, that God is the one of all power and might. He's in control of my own life, of my own soul, of my own family, of my own church, of our world, in ways that I can just go ahead and relax. So sometimes when I preach on a week-to-week basis, there are some sermons that I feel like I'm not really struggling personally with these things, but I want to preach in a broad way, or at least as broad as I'm able to preach, to say, okay, not really my struggle, but I want to make it 
relatable so that other people can like find themselves if, in case they are struggling with these things. Earlier on in pandemic, when I preached from Ruth chapter 2 about things that should be my job and things that are outside of my job, I struggled to overfunction and take too much responsibility for things that I can't control. Being reminded that God is the one that has sufficient power to compel outcomes, to guide processes, is something that I deeply need so that I can have trust in understanding that God is at work. I can have trust when I'm not having as much fun as I think I deserve. Uh, and again, lies woven into those things. And I felt the power of God in my own life trying to curb sins of gluttony, where at different points I thought, wow, like there is a lot of momentum here. How do I slow down and build in some better habits? Bottom line, I've been trying. I can't. I need to be more honest with God to invite him in and say, Jesus, can you help me to build some better powers, patterns and some better structures by your power because I can't do it on my own? And then also God's presence. Going back to the beginning of this passage again from Isaiah chapter 43. Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I'm not somebody, and I wish, and I think I have been growing in this this year during pandemic, but I'm not somebody naturally who is a Christian is able to say like every second of every day, I'm somebody that's just on fire with this deep, profound, piercing sense of God's presence. It's, it, it's a learned activity for me, and I have to mm -hmm. cultivate it. I have to practice it. But then the other side of that coin is I felt like God has really met me when I've been feeling dark or lonely or borderline depressed or just sluggish, the, the sin of sloth, um, just feeling very slothful, but feeling God's presence in my life in ways that like, I just can't explain by my own synapses. And I've been challenged to cultivate God's presence more in my life as he's promised to be for us in Jesus. And surely Jesus says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I am with you to the very end of the age. But then also God's preservation, which relates to the end of this chapter, or the end of this section. Verses 4 to 7. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Whether it's here before Jesus, God telling Isaiah, I will continue to gather a people for myself. Or for us, halfway across the world, two millennia and more later, God is still at work in the world to gather a people for himself, even around and in and through us. Trusting that even though we don't have the same dance moves that we used to as a church, at least right now because of pandemic, God is at work to build. And a couple weeks ago, Eric, you or more than that now, but you were able to say during our offering moment, hey, thanks for giving to Liberty Collingswood. We're still growing, and we're adding people mm. to our numbers where they have, we're in Holy Trinity here at Fern and Haddon Avenue. Uh, there have been people that are part of our church that have never set foot in this building before that are so thankful for the ministry of us. And if pre-pandemic, I'm able to say, well, people are joining the church because of us. You know, Eric, we're doing a great job. Look at all the work that we're doing. And it's not like we've taken this year off, but as we feel so much more removed from the immediacy of ministry feedback, it's been convicting to me that people are still continuing to join with us in mission for the gospel. And God's only doing that, those things that he said that he was, that he's promised to do uh, because he's a good God to us. 
And here we see that Jesus, after Isaiah, is resurrected. And so he is the one that offered Jesus as our substitute. And we realize that this gathering that occurs in the world is by grace. Uh, none of us deserve to be part of this great sweep, this great plan. Uh, but we're included because Jesus has died and has risen again for us so that we can receive mercy and be encouraged that even if we feel like our lives are a dead end, we look to the dead end of the empty tomb to see that it's not really a dead end. And instead, we see that the empty tomb leads to resurrection. And we're able to look for resurrection life by the power of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis here. And look forward again to, as Jesus has come the first time, as we were remembering at Advent, he'll come a second time to renew all things. There is only resurrection finally in our future. Yeah, man, that's so good. That's so good. Um, yeah, we sit here. We're only a few days away from 2021. So, Jim, what are your New Year's resolutions? No, I'm just kidding. What, <laughs> but seriously, what are, some, what are some hopes that you have for 2021? And maybe what are, what are some fears? What are some things that, that bring you some anxiety about this new year? Yeah, so I, I hope at this point Ben Simmons is shooting three-pointers and will continue to shoot three-pointers. Well, it's interesting. Eric used his right hand. Ben Simmons is a left-handed shooter, but we think that he shoots with the wrong hand and should use his right. That's what so I meant. I, I was doing ch checkers. You were doing chess right there, buddy. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah, as we look forward to 2021, I feel myself fighting the impulse just to try to get back to the way things were as soon as possible, uh, whether it's for myself, for my family, or for my church. Continually, there's been this idea that, you know, if we just wait a little bit longer and health news gets a little bit better and our life gets a little bit crazier, finally we'll get back to the way things were. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, hopefully news will continue to get better, the vaccine will be effective, and there will be some return to normalcy, but it won't just be a copy and paste of what's before. And I can picture as another Old Testament story when, when the temple was rebuilt and the old people were crying because the glory of the new temple is not comparable to the glory of the old temple, there are going to be some ways in which life post-pandemic still will remind us that it's not as good as what we had beforehand. And preemptively, I'm trying to fight that impulse in myself. Mm -hmm. But then from a healthier place, I'm able to look at some of those same factors and understand that God is going to meet us in some new ways. Again, personally, family, church. And so the goal is not to get back to what we had but to go where God is leading. And even though this has been a crazy year for us, we're able to look around the world and throughout the ages and see that God has been a sovereign Lord over tons of crazy situations. And even as I think about, wow, my life has been really hard this year, there have been so many people this year that have had lives so much harder than me, and certainly throughout the ages, but Jesus has still been Lord. And going into 2021, Jesus is still resurrected, and there's still going to be mission for us to do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the king is still on his throne, you know, right. as, we enter this, as we enter this new year. Jim, thanks for um, being willing to dialogue, man. I was a little bit on the fly when you called me uh, at 7 p.m. last night. I was a little nervous <laughs> about, about uh, how things were going to go today, but it's been fun to talk. It's been great to, uh, to hear your thoughts from this passage, and so, yeah, appreciate you answering some questions, being willing to dialogue. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been. Let's do it again sometime. Keep in touch. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we are going to close our sermon segment in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. 
on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.